This is the Desperate Mothers Podcast. CJ Watson and the mothers of desperation discuss ongoing work behind the scenes of their sketch comedy channels and the upcoming web series, The Bunny Rabbit Tragedies. Bunny rabbits and vampires and onions living together? Oh my. Check out what these desperate mother are up to this week. Welcome to episode 21 of the Desperate Mothers Podcast. I'm CJ Watson. And I'm Jack Fisher. And we're coming straight to you, India. All three of you. Actually, I think there's been like 20-odd yeah. this month. A little down. I think uh, I think maybe we hit some keywords on last month's podcast that, that got a little bit more traffic, you know. Um, we, Aren't we top, doing this weekly? We're trying. Okay. So when you say last months, you mean the four shows from last month? Yeah, I think it was three. I think uh, we didn't get the the fourth one uploaded in time, and it technically went up three February first. Okay. Yeah, and that doesn't count the the miscellaneous ones that, as bad as these are, don't make the cut. <laughs> there have been some. You have standards. Uh, that's arguable, maybe. Um, some podcasts just suck, though. So at some point or another, you have made a conscious choice to spare your potential listeners. Yeah, yeah. Some of the podcasts are just really bad. Okay. And sometimes we just wander too much off topic. or some, uh, A couple of times it's been a quality issue. Um, yeah. Like you brought up earlier today, Jack, that... Uh, a lot of the times the levels tend to be low, and that's to eliminate a lot of the ambient uh, noise in the room, the barking dogs, the people coming home from work. Um, the garage studio here at Fur Moon Studio is not necessarily soundproof, but it is insulated. Yeah. Well, studio doesn't have to be soundproof. Ideally, it should be sound dampening. So we'd have, we should have... Uh, Four, sound absorbed four inches of foam all all on all the walls yes. well there should be pyramids and we got to get a good ambient clink in here there, there we go. go that in fact is the creative juice is yeah yeah it's really it's a fine line with the creative juices you know it takes a little bit to get them flowing but too much can totally kill it just leads you astray. It's like wandering. It's like camping in the woods. You have to, you have to know yourself. You have to know where's that line between the throttle and the cliff. Well, even if you know that, a little too much throttle, and the cliff is coming at you too fast. <laughs> Nothing you can do, Thelma. <clears throat> So I guess uh, WonderCon Saturday is now sold out. Yeah. Because I heard tell from a friend that they could not buy tickets. So it didn't sell out immediately after San Diego, but it wasn't that long. You're still bitter about that. About San Diego? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And inevitably this leads back to to being bitter at me. Oh, right, right, because I lost my position in the whole um, legacy line. Yeah, the 
the nerddom. You know what? The more I think about it, the more it totally was my fault. I should have just sacrificed the money to the legacy gods. And I would I would have still been in. As far as they know, I was there. Yeah. But I wanted my damn refund. Like an idiot. Don't get a refund, folks. If you buy a con ticket, just take that to the grave if you don't go. So, for our listeners, um, we have two avid nerds in the studio tonight. And we aspire to visit the San Diego Comic-Con as often as possible. It's the Holy Land. If if you have if you are a previous ticket holder, you gain access to ticket buying earlier than someone who was not a previous ticket holder. But it doesn't carry over from one year to the other. So if there's a gap in your attendance, you you lose that legacy status and you have to wait in line with the huddled masses yearning to be dorks. And it's not a sure thing anyway. Yeah. You just get into round one of uh, the random waiting room. So, uh, CJ decided to seek a refund for the tickets that he had one, See, one year. Was my mistake. When there was, I'm going to take responsibility because the more I think about it, the more it was stupid to take the cash. When there was a, a, a spectacular... Um, mundane event that was going on non-nerd type event there were a lot of nerds there yeah well i'm not saying that uh i'm not saying that it was a nerd free event i'm saying that uh, it was not a nerd specific event it was a grand event and uh an, an epic epic a legendary time was had by by some Legendary. Legendary. And the few of us that remember parts of it remember it being quite uh, legendary. It was off the hook. (laughs) Okay, that's uh, quite enough. uh, Colorful descriptions of... uh, Of your joyous unionization. I don't know that I've ever heard you edit on anything on the show. Oh, that's the disturbing thing. There's so many edits in the show. It's not funny. So you're saying that you do actually I do, do post-production? I do. I do. And that's why I mean, that's why I mean, I think I just gloss over my own voice because... As long as they can hear me, it's enough. And I'm, I always wear headphones when I do it, so <coughs> you know I lower the levels down, and I'm not necessarily realizing that those are the max levels you're going to get. Okay, so let, let's talk about what you do. You build puppets. Sometimes. Apparently not often enough. Did you build puppets this week? No... No, but that's not to say that there wasn't work done this week. It was more uh, there was more writing this week. You you and thought about what the finished puppets might say. Well, I wrote about the words that they are going to say. And then I've also been doing the redesign on on Harold. Yeah. Cuz 
I want to go with a uh, with a larger beak, maybe something built into the skull. Um, other than that, no, it was mostly a, a few little tweaks on that. Um, some major tweaks on the script and some uh, designing the backdrops and then doing a lot of research on how other builders have done similar backdrops for this kind of show. So this week you were tweaking. Arguably most weeks I'm tweaking. So you are in fact a tweaker. A uh, puppet tweaker to be exact, right. I think. I, th <laughs> I don't know what that really means. If it's a metaphor or, or a euphemism for something, but uh, no, sometimes I, I, sometimes I play with my puppets and sometimes I tweak them. <laughs> okay, images that I don't want to contemplate. Why is this puppet really small? <laughs> Who's going to get their hand up in that? That's not for your hand, baby. It's making an uncomfortable face. I wouldn't call that uncomfortable. Speaking of things to make you uncomfortable, have you gotten around to watching Fifty Shades of Grey? No. I, I don't anticipate this happening. A.K.A. The Secretary ripoff. You probably shouldn't watch and just buy the Blu-ray of The Secretary. Yeah, I've definitely watched Secretary. That's, uh, that's quality work there. And, uh, no, I okay, so I haven't seen it yet either, but... Um, I have uh, purloined a copy. Yeah. I think it has Chinese writing on it. Okay. Um, but you're familiar with me and my things, my love of all things. Pirated in Chinese. <laughs> I, I assume you're speaking of, like, custom-made guitars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am indeed. Okay. Of my own custom-made guitar. Not about movies. Yes. Starring uh, Dakota Johnson, Don Johnson, and Melody Griffin. Melanie Griffith's daughter. That would be about the only reason why I would observe this. And I hear you see, you, you get a full frontal shot. Yeah. Of the girl. Yeah. Now, this week, um, I don't know if you heard about this, Jack. This week, Dakota Johnson, Dakota Johnson went on uh, Saturday Night Live and they did a little. Uh, movie sketch send up of uh, the Super Bowl commercial where their dad drops his girl off to go to his daughter to go off to go to college and in this commercial the dad drops his daughter off at an airport and uh, the punchline is she gets in uh, a technical vehicle rolls up with uh, with writing that's supposed to look like ISIS on it and she's like oh don't worry it's just ISIS dad so she goes off and joins ISIS. The dad, now in tears, turns to, to the ISIS guy and says, take care of my daughter. And he quite solemnly says, death to America. Pretty much just like that. Yeah. So it's got everybody up in arms because, you know, ISIS doesn't have a greatest track record of human rights and, you know, not beheading people and not killing women and, Pretty much not doing horrible things. I mean, that's what ISIS does. Well, yeah, I, I think they're the antithesis of not doing horrible things. They they are known for 
doing horrible things for the sake of doing horrible things. Right, right. They, they are like Al-Qaeda <clears throat> and the Taliban on steroids. Yeah, at 11. Yeah, at 11, all the way up to 11. You turn, Ridiculous. You turn the Taliban up to 11, and you get ISIS. Yeah. And not the cool superhero chick from uh, the 70s shows. These are the scary guys. So a lot of people were up in arms saying the commercial that that sketch went too far and it wasn't really funny and well I think you the purpose of the writers is probably to draw attention to to I mean kind of like uh Charlie Hebdo Okay you were saying it was cuz like it's like Charlie like the Charlie Hebdo Yeah where they're offensive to be offensive, and writers challenge conventions and the norms, and yes. they're there to piss people off. They're there to piss people off. off. They're they're there to make you think. They're there to capitalize and draw attention to themselves with controversial topics. So a plus to the team that put that together because they did exactly what you want to do. Yes, they did. I I just don't think it was as funny as it could have been. I mean, it wasn't funny. It hit a nerve because it was in poor taste. Now, but isn't that the point? It's not funny. It's not funny. That's the whole point. Your daughters and your sons are going off to college and telling you, I'm having fun and then wandering off to join ISIS in some other radical group, whether it be. But this, ISIS this or was the Saturday NRA Night Live, or, right? Yeah. Saturday Night Live? Yeah. You know, it looked like a commercial that could have been on the 700 Club. In any other radical group like them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it gets you thinking, but it looked like 700 Club propaganda. It would have been only like, it would have been 100% 700 Club if Obama was the ISIS rep. <laughs> the way they hate Obama. So, I I haven't seen the the spiel. Um, I read a little bit about it. Uh, for some reason, it was eclipsed by other feeds on the stuff that I frequent. Yeah, like math. Yeah, because I, I I browse differential equations on a regular basis. And <laughs> In the latest security hole. <laughs> that that's actually far more likely. Uh, but uh, no, I, I mean, uh, I look at CNET and Wired and uh, CBS News, and um, I listen to you know news radio on the way home from work on occasion, including uh, CBS and NPR. And I saw something briefly at the beginning of the week, but. It got eclipsed and fell off the radar pretty quick. I'm only going from the 15-second description that you gave me. Okay. Well, I, I totally get I totally get that. I mean, and nobody watches Saturday Night Live anymore. You know, um, you know who watches Saturday Night Live? Old people who can't sleep and uh, 19-year-olds ramped up on, you know, 
Jesus juices <laughs> they're away at college I mean the kids too dumb to know it's not relevant <laughs> and the old farts too tired to change their channel or remember how to turn off the TV I mean it gets tiny tiny shares I mean Saturday Night Live it's been around people say I mean it's been around 40 plus years 40 years this year I think it is and um, I think they've had a handful of good episodes over the time which is totally a shame because of the the format and the venue it offers to people. You can like really get out there and, and do some funny stuff. And some people do. Like all the best writers on Saturday Night Live uh, do the the weekend news. And um, if you only watch Saturday Night Live for one part, you watch it for the news section because that's where they shine. That's like the genius. That's satire right there. Um, I think that's all I really watch it for. You know, you watch the opening to see if um, they're doing something timely and funny. And then after that, it's a blur until the musical guest and the weekend update and musical guest and say goodbye. Everyone looks like they're about to go to a party. And you always want to be at that party. Nobody wants to go to work, but they want to be at that party. <laughs> Nobody wants to work on a show, but they all <coughs> want to go to rap parties. You want to go to the after party. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, you know, so many of the, the sketches just blend in. And, you know, over time, some people stand out. And I think, you know, in a 40-year wrap-up, they might be able to make two hours of great TV. So a producer told a group of writers, get me some fucking ratings or else. And that's what they came up with. Right, right. Where it does seem to be the normal uh, operating procedure for Saturday Night Live is uh, – Let's fill air and not piss off the network. <laughs> you know. So that's why you get a lot of that disconnected uh comedy, a lot of that um the office type uncomfortable I'm going to like stand there and say something not funny but not quite offensive and just make the situation awkward. And then stare at the camera. Stare at the camera and then we're gonna go to commercial. I have just described 65% of all the Saturday Night Live episodes you will ever see. But occasionally they have some gold. Which is the point of getting an hour and a half every week. Yeah. So this week apparently they thought their gold was an ISIS send-up. I think you could have done funnier. I think they were just trying to do a, a parody of the Super Bowl commercial. And there's a lot funnier commercials in the Super Bowl to do parodies of. Like, like the Lindsay Lohan one. Yeah. You saw the Lindsay Lohan commercial? Did you watch the Super Bowl? Of course I watched the Super Bowl. I don't know. I wasn't there. And sometimes a Super Bowl party turns more into a party than a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely watched the the commercials. And you remember the Lindsay Lohan commercial? No, I, I remember. That's the one where she goes to pick up the kids at school. And she describes herself as being roughly similar to their mother, so it's okay to drive off with her, but she's really not safe. And she drives onto the sidewalk and careens into, like, a car or a tree or something. And You know, I don't think Lindsay Lohan knows she was in a commercial that day. <laughs> I think she just <laughs> drove to a commercial. They rolled tape, and she drove away, and they're giving her a big fat check. Okay. No, I, I don't recall this. That would have been a funnier commercial to parody. Speaking of Lindsay Lohan, apparently she vowed to not have sex, to stay celibate for a year. Hmm. 
I'm just wondering, who's tapping that? Because <laughs> while once it would have been a dream tap, these days I would be afraid. Well, I mean, that's what raincoats are made for. They don't make them thick enough. You know, double, triple bag. Double bag it with the rib for your, her pleasure, turned inside out for your pleasure. Actually, at that point, it's just that you feel some kind of stimulation. <laughs> you know, I, plus you got to. It would be tempting, especially if she agreed to a selfie during. Yeah, it's true. I mean, she was once a beautiful woman, and now she's a train wreck. Yeah, and she looks like a train wreck. Yeah. And I guess there's a lot of people out there that would tap that no matter what number they were in line. Yeah. I'm she's, just saying, you got to look for the inner beauty. She's a wild girl. I consider myself somewhat of a wild guy. I'm not that wild, <laughs> man. A wild train departed that station. So, again, this claim that you have standards. It's not, there's no comedy. If you have no standards, you've got to have some to totally neglect and uh, oppose in order for there to be true comedy. Otherwise, you're just Howard Stern. Even though (laughs) he's like super rich and like the king of all media, you just have to keep shocking and shocking and shocking and doing worse and more and bigger and crazier when you have no standards. And the next thing you know, you're marrying a robot elephant in Japan on the internet. I don't think I witnessed that. Yeah, no. No, I think some, some guys in Japan are marrying inanimate objects hmm. or Denmark. Some one of the more progressive countries than the United States, like, you know, ISIS. Any. (laughs) (laughs) See, that would be funny. They're so incredibly puritanical, saying that ISIS is more progressive than we are because they allow female suicide bombers. (laughs) That would have been a funnier joke. Yeah, but I I think maybe the... Okay, let's call the writers lazy. They they went for shock, they went for controversy, and they didn't deliver the the creamy center comedy part. Right. Here, Billy, before you go off, uh, let me button up your jacket. <laughs> that way the Americans don't see the suicide vest that we have underneath. That's hardcore. Actually, I guess that's more like a Charlie Hebdo type yeah. biting thing. That's the type of thing that gets <laughs> that gets half the world pissed off enough to go in and shoot you all up. That's that's the Lenny Bruce shit right there, right? Yeah. You know that that's the that's the Richard Pryor. I don't care. I'm gonna say shit on stage, and if you're gonna arrest me, you're gonna arrest me. You're gonna arrest a black man for saying shit on stage. Ah, oh, those were the days when com- when comedians pushed boundaries. Remember that? Yes. That you know, ar- arguably though, that there are more. It's more difficult to push boundaries now. You ha- almost actually have to. Well, you have to find the boundaries. You have to offend good taste. You know, 
You know, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Westboro Baptist Church are comedians. <laughs> they just they're just trying to find their boundaries. <laughs> what what do you mean God hates fags isn't funny? I thought it was hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Arguably they're hitting those points that comedians want to hit. So maybe are you saying that the Westboro Baptist Church and Saturday Night Live have the same writers? Well, the writers seem to have the same goals. <laughs> One's got a better marketing campaign. <laughs> One has the backing of a major network. The other just has the ear of Fox News. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So do you think they have the backing of Fox News? I mean, Jesus Christ, we need something. You call it the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> Let's get them to picket something. I heard a school district made a little kid stay home because he has the flu. Oh, God must hate him. Let's get them. Well, you he's know. Prob- he's, pro- if, he's probably a homosexual if, little kid. I'm going to say, if his two fathers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. God is actually striking him down right yes. now. And you fools can't see it. Oh, that is horrible. That is horrible. But that guy's dead, right? Phelps died, didn't he? Was that Phelps? What? The Westboro guy. How the hell should I know? Because of news? (laughs) I can't remember (laughs) Lindsay Lohan having a commercial in the Super Bowl. And you expect me to remember something (laughs) of that magnitude? I didn't say I expect you to remember. I was just kind of hoping um well click your heels together three times that's a little gay though (laughs) (laughs) i might knock a sequin off my ruby slippers wow do you know the westboro baptist church homepage is www.godhatesfags.com You're making that up. (laughs) No. Okay, but what we don't want to do is to drive traffic. No, no. I got to make a website now called God Hates Bunnies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think Hugh bought that domain as a precautionary. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't think. I don't think God hates those kind of bunnies. No, I, actually, I think God's pretty cool with them. But uh, yeah, those are his favorite bunnies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot what I was doing. <laughs> that is so crazy. Oh motherfucker, Westboro Baptist Church attempts to protest. Oh, their attempts to protest at Leonard Nimoy's funeral thwarted by inability to find it. Oh, but that's put up by The Guardian. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good headline. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a news. (laughs) The Guardian's a news source like The Inquirer or The Washington Post. So have you seen um, the fad in Canada? 
Oh, the doing the Spock thing the, on the, the Spocking on the, their currency. Yeah, apparently the guy uh, on their on their five dollar Canadian bill resembles Spock enough that you can just doodle on it and you finish can the doodle job. Doodle on it and draw some pointy ears on it. So that's the one thing that we didn't talk about. I mean, since the last time we met in podcast, Leonard Nimoy dies. Yes. You are now living in a world without Leonard Nimoy. A, a post LM world. If you think about it, you were born into a world that had Leonard Nimoy. I was born the year that Star Trek came out. Okay. 1966. So obviously you were born because of Mr. Spock. Absolutely. And now you're living in a world that has been deprived of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Luckily, the Spock torch was passed on. Mm-hmm. So if your survival depends on there being an actual living Mr. Spock, you're good because he's younger than you. So I guess all of us are pretty good when it comes to that. But if you really think about it... Well, his legacy will live on forever. Right. But he won't. <laughs> and if he was magical, we're in trouble. Well, um, you know, we have his body of work. We have the three seasons of Star Trek. We have the movies. Next generation appearances. Next generation appearances. Where he played himself. Um, he was in Fringe. Yeah, people talk about that. I don't know. Uh, I haven't watched it. You haven't watched Fringe? No. You you really need to watch Fringe. Because it was on the edge of my periphery. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's another word for edge. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I watched it just because... Isn't that kid... Isn't the one with the kid from Dawson's Creek who's not Dawson? Uh... I never watched Dawson's Creek, so... What? No. Why not? Um, because uh, probably in the back of my mind, I thought it was a chick show and probably gay to watch it, but... But you watch it with girls, and that you're out. Yeah. It's like The Twilight. None of the girls that I was seeing or married to or dating at the time were interested in it so oh well my wife and her friends love the Dawson's Creek so that was okay I'm guessing that the actor you're referring to is Joshua Jackson Pacey who? Pacey Pacey from Dawson's Creek okay um, he's kind of like the pale skinned kid with the dark brown hair yeah or the the brunette in the picture on IMDb is hot. Oh, that's Katie Holmes. Okay. Well, that would be why. Another reason to watch Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And you know who else was in Dawson's Creek? Um, evidently Michelle Williams. Yes. Um, well, we can stop there. Katie Holmes, Michelle Williams. So if you haven't watched Dawson's Creek and you want to see those two as teenagers. Okay. Yeah, put that on your Netflix, folks, and don't let anyone catch you watching it alone. Okay, so yeah, um, 
Pacey Witter. Uh, that was Joshua Jackson. And he is uh, one of the two primary characters in Fringe. The, uh, the other primary ca- character uh, is played by the stunningly beautiful uh, Anna Torv. Um, Not familiar. Blonde, knockout, amazing, um, and her character is is interesting. Hollywood is kind of ripe with those. Yeah, uh, there's something special about her though. Um, she has a je ne sais quoi. Yeah, <laughs> she she has something, and it's it's special. Um, haven't seen her in a hell of a lot other than Fringe. Um, so I don't know if she just needs a better um She kind of has agent. like that every woman look. No, no. If you watch the show and uh, Google pictures of her, she definitely has something. <laughs> Google pictures? Yeah. <laughs> you make that sound like it's dirty or something. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you Google pictures of someone, it's almost always for nefarious reasons. Google images Google images should be called I'm about to masturbate <laughs> What can I look at before I come? Okay, so <laughs> It's called Google Masturbation In parentheses Images and if they're really good, you never get on the the full details page because you, you you come on the search results. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that not everybody possibly uses Google's image search for the same reasons that you do. <laughs> oh, I don't agree with that at all. They're fucking liars. <laughs> You're saying there's the people that do that, and there's the people that lie about it. That's what I'm saying. It's like masturbation. <laughs> it's like we know the only reason that in the internet exists is to distribute porn <laughs> and downloading and downloading, you know, porn pictures from the old BBS systems. <laughs> <laughs> In another few minutes, I'm going to have a naked picture of it. It used to take me a half hour to see a naked tit. (laughs) Now you can get off on the Google image results page. You know, the nice thing is, if they're not nude and pornographic, somebody's made a fake of it. (laughs) Uh, It's good stuff. So, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I think the fappening would have taken like months to be been revealed way, way back in the old days, back in the old days of uh, um, the pre fifty six k modems. You'd have got one picture of Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> that would have been the only one you need to distribute. <laughs> like, man. By the time I downloaded that, I was sore and raw. (laughs) 
Okay, so evidently tonight's podcast is about masturbation. Um... <laughs> it's either that or about ISIS. <laughs> Speaking of masturbating to ISIS, <laughs> did you ever watch that old, uh, I think it was a Croft Superstar show? It was a live action about a girl uh, in the 70s. Maybe you didn't, because I don't think you were in the United States back then. Were you? Well, I got to the United States in 75. Okay, so it, it was probably uh, see that's a tough that's a tough cutoff that's right in the middle. Um, there's an ISIS kids show uh, that was put out, and it was during the time of like Electra Woman and Dinah Girl and uh, Shazam. Well, I'm I'm familiar with the the superhero ISIS show because that was right about the time I got from got the seventies. Yeah, with the beautiful like straight long haired brunette. Yeah. In the white Greek or Egyptian dress. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's another show that, you know, you, <laughs> as a young, young man. <laughs> well, it made me. <laughs> if I'm oversharing, let me know. <laughs> I, I, I think the ratings will tell that. <laughs> if we if we drop from, from if we 20, lose the last three listeners, <laughs> if we drop from twenty to five, because the five are you and I and a couple of other people that are are vested. So. <laughs> well, I'm not going to put in this. I'm not going to put in the description that we talk about masturbating the '70s shows and Google search results. You know that might actually boost the ratings. <laughs> Oh, that was a good show, though. Um, and I hear they're doing a remake of uh, Electro Woman and Dinah Girl as a web series. Yeah. I I know they've done at least one porn parody. I hope. Yeah. But no, a web series like a high-quality Electro Woman and Dinah Girl. Yeah. It should be good. Sure. It can't be worse than the real series. <laughs> What was it? Uh, Deidre Hall from uh, Days of Our Lives. Mm -hmm. I was real big into the daytime soap operas. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly NBCs. I was an NBC man. Yeah, I never did the daytime dramas. Good stuff. Ridiculous. Love serial stories, though. Especially ones that they make up as they go along. So they just get ridiculous. I'm a big fan of making up stories as you go along. As our few listeners are probably aware. So, uh, what's the podcast tonight? I don't know. We'll just turn the record button on and uh, lie about some shit. I speak nothing but the truth. And uh, I do the opposite. One of us is lying. Might actually be CJ that says nothing but the truth and... I'm constantly lying, but ah, that would be a twist, wouldn't it? Okay, so let me know if you heard about this. Um, Stan Lee is going to teach an online course about the history of superheroes. No, I I had not heard about this. So apparently, this is going to be through the the Smithsonian Institute, and I guess you can you can take it and get credits or whatever. But um, mostly, what intrigued me was the fact that. You can learn about superheroes from, like, one of 
the top five superhero creators and probably the top superhero creator of our time. You know, if you go uh, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, you're going to think they created the first superhero. Um, Batman uh, created uh, Bob Kane, created, well, created Batman. He created the costume vigilante. And as you know, Batman ran around in the beginning um, putting the, the smackdown on criminals, and he carried a gun back in the day. He was very, very different Batman than he grew into be. But he wasn't super. Superman was super, super. I mean, Superman was like, you know, he was practically godlike. He's invincible, you know. But he didn't start off flying all over the place and, and turning the world back in time by flying against its gravity or anything. Superman kind of progressed into his powers. And, and somewhere on, online, you can find an infographic when Superman's powers have manifested and they made him more and more super and i think uh they actually added a new superpower to superman so if you're charting superman's history superman now has like a, a new superpower which doesn't seem so new um did you hear about superman's new superpower no absolutely not so uh, do you like work when you're at work <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, surprisingly enough um my uh <laughs> I mean, do they not give you enough computers to work and look up shit at work? Well, I, I do occasionally bring my tablet with me to work, but um, I kind of avoid any non-work usage of my work computers. <clears throat> so Superman's new superpower is super flare. Apparently not flare. Flare. Apparently, you know, not just a laser vision. But okay, so super- we're not talking about office space no this is like johnny storm supernova type flair oh okay so yeah superman's got a new costume and a new power in the dc universe they go super flare i guess it's not incredibly uh useful if you're trying to stop a bank robbery in the middle of town yeah (laughs) because you want to incinerate everybody you're probably dealing with a lot of collateral damage there but i imagine if you're looking at you know Finding Doomsday again, or putting putting the hurt on Brainiac or Bizarro or Dark Side. That might come in pretty handy. Yeah, I can see that. So, so maybe Stanley gives you the rundown of like you know this is when Superman developed the ability to fly, and this is when the writers of Superman said, "Hey, you know what? I can pick up a tank." So, do you think that? St- Dan would acknowledge any competitors. In his that department? is an interesting point. That's one thing I wanted to to really speculate upon, because okay, so you got a history of superheroes, but is, is this a history of superheroes that I created, or is this a history of superheroes for the company that I created and and that preceded me, like the old Timely comics? Remember yeah. the old Timely comics and Human Torch and everything? I don't think Stanley was making comics then because he would have been a little kid. Is this a history of uh, superheroes, including uh, the major, the notable the, indie superheroes? The predecessors of Marvel, Marvel, and the potential successors of Marvel. Or well, those is one- it inclusive? Yeah, everybody. 
you know, you want to know. Is Stanley going to talk? You cannot not talk about Superman and Batman. Okay, so so talk to me about this course, Smithsonian. How do you register? How do you become part of it? How do you participate in it? Do you shell out large volumes of money? Do you register at the Smithsonian website? Do you well, you can follow get, it on you, you YouTube? Can hit it on edx.org. E-D-X. Yeah. Dot O-R-G. Edx. Dot mm-hmm. org. And you can register for the class there. Um, what you want to enroll in is the course code popx one point one X. And the class starts May fifth, twenty fifteen. Five five fifteen. It's gotta be somebody's lucky number somewhere. Yep. Um it'll run for five weeks. <laughs> they give an estimated effort of one to two hours a week, but you know, if you're if you're a full on comics geek, um you probably give this material twenty hours a week just by uh um <laughs> existing. And it looks like it's pretty much open to the public. They're just going to like um, send this to everybody. I don't know if it costs anything. So free is good. It has a little bit of backing by uh, Smithsonian. I mean, Smithsonian. They're not really like a science institution. They're like a a pop culture institution. Yeah. You know. They have scientific things, but they tend to be only scientific because they were moments in time. I cannot find a price on the website. I guess there's a minimum fee if you want a verified certificate. Well, well screw the certificate. I want Stan to tell me why uh, Batman did this, Superman did this, or in this in-between era... We decided to take the human torch from a robot and turn him into a real living person. You know, what made us bring back Captain America? You really think about it. Okay, so Captain America was alive and he was there to fight, you know, those German guys who weren't so friendly. And then World War II ended. And that whole theme went away. And in, in comic books, you got the romance books, you got the mystery books, you got the, the noir books. So I guess Cap wasn't in vogue anymore. And then, what, 60s? And, and you got the Soviet Russia, the rise of the Soviet Union. And now America needs another hero again. So let's pull this guy out of her ass or slash out of the ice. I want to hear if he, if he even un- thinks of it like that, you know? Are we going to talk about Captain Captain America deserves almost an equal chunk of time to Batman and and Superman. Not because he was the first, but because he was um well he was a superhero based on patriotism. Yeah. You know, he, he if if that's not a propaganda hero there isn't one, you know? Well, I mean, propaganda was integral to his character from the start. Exactly. And then when we need him again, when we're we're facing the Soviet threat, we bring back Captain America. And it becomes patriotic, and I, and I guess it's not such a hard thing 
to swallow that you know whatever country you're in is going to have a patriotic superhero you know um i like canada man myself yeah i think he runs around solving uh um uh, incursions or beating back incursions armed with a a a tom hortons and a donut well yeah if you put the right edge on those they can be deadly well, really, if you know how to throw things correctly, a donut is an amazing tool. It can wrap around things. It can knock things over. And then hot coffee. Dude, you know you don't mess with hot coffee. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. A concentrated hot coffee can go through a steel door like a lightsaber. Yeah, so I'm totally interested in this uh, uh, Stan Lee Rise of the Superheroes I think I might actually be willing to uh, to spend the time to sit through it and just to what if if it's a video by Stan Lee. I mean, geez, I don't know. If it, it can't be interactive. I mean, Smithsonian posted it. He's going to get like eighty million people signing up for it. Yeah, the, you know what's probably going to happen is the first night the the web server is going to crash, and uh, you know they'll be scrambling the following week to increase their capacity to the point where. Uh, people can watch it. Smithsonian's going to go, oh my gosh, did we post a picture of Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> so that looks pretty fun. And when you say fun. Well, I'm not going to masturbate. <laughs> okay, well, once more, we come back to this tonight's theme of CJ having standards. Oh, okay, okay, I thought you were going to go, I thought you were going to say masturbate. <laughs> No, you, you obviously draw the line at some point. Somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> it's all, not always at masturbation, but <laughs> sometimes. It's frequently vague and poorly defined. But there is a line somewhere. That does sum me up. The line is, the line is wide and gray. <laughs> <coughs> so we are enjoying these um, Sierra Nevadas tonight. And this beer minute is brought. Beer minute is brought to you by. So uh, we'd like to interrupt this desperate mother's podcast to bring you Beer Thirty, sponsored by Sierra Nevada. They didn't know it, and they actually charge us to sponsor their beers. But heck, we don't care. We don't always have standards, or maybe our standards are sliding a little bit. On a, on a sliding scale of standards, they're mobile. Yes, it it uh, it makes them more defensible. Yes, because um, if we actually had free shit given to us, you would not trust our reviews. Okay, so you're enjoying the Torpedo Extra IPA. I am, and it claims it has an IBU of 65. And now, Have we ever told our viewers what IBU stands for? Uh, well, IBU being the International Bitterness Unit, which is a hypothetical scale that ranges from 0 to 100. Now, I have had many beverages that claim to be a 100 IBU. Liars. Liars all. The um, the industry claims that IBUs can be measured um, by some calibrated system. But what you find frequently is that the, uh, the bitterness of a beer is often camouflaged 
in um, hidden by other characteristics. Um, the ingredients of the beer. The the various tastes. You can't isolate a single element and say, "Yeah, that's a hundred because to get to a hundred, you have to do other things to the beer, and when you do those other things, it you can actually taste the sweetness and the bitterness simultaneously, and there are other things, the floral characteristics of the hops the uh, the toasted notes of the grain. They all blend together, and I have never found uh, a beer that claims to be 100 IBUs that, to me, tasted so bitter that I couldn't tolerate it. Well, is that the goal of 100 IBUs, to be, like, the most bitter thing on earth? Like, yeah. if, if you're given a scale of 1 to 100, does but 100 mean the bitterest thing ever? What I'm saying is that the IBUs are almost irrelevant. Um, it gives you an idea that there may be an element of bitterness in the beverage that you're about to consume. Okay. But it's not going to give you uh, an idea of whether it's drinkable or not. Because I've had uh, 50 IBU beverages that where the bitterness overwhelmed you and I've had a hundred IBU beverages where it just seemed a part of the beer and it complemented whatever you were drinking. So if my hundred IBU is pretty sweet, I'm probably gonna find it tastier than a hundred IBU beer that's not so sweet. I I'm saying you cannot look at the IBU and characterize uh, the beer that you're about to have solely based on the IBU rating. Um, so I'm not entirely certain how useful the IBU is. I mean, when you look at something like uh, hot sauces, there's that that measurement, the rating of hot, of hot. And when you go up in the hot sauce rating... You the, know, the Scoble. Yeah. Uh, if it goes up, you know that a thousand Scoble, Scoble rating will kill you. Will kill you, and that a 10,000 Scoble rating will permanently sear the inside lining of your entire digestive system. And 50,000 will make your children not ever want to look at the sun or be in any sunny place again. They will immediately move. Into an igloo somewhere north of Canada. So, um, whereas beer makers try to characterize IPUs as a independent measurement, mm -hmm. um, it's not decoupled from the other characteristics of the beverage. I get it. Like, if this was truly a 65, I don't think I could tolerate a 100. Right. But it is a strongly bitter beer. The the Torpedo Extra IPA is very slightly sweet. <clears throat> What's it say? Torpedo Ale is a big American IPA, perfectly balanced, yet full of flavor and aromas that highlight the complex citrus, pine, and herbal character of whole cone American hops. 
No, they, they lose you at herbal character because that could be freaking anything. Does it taste like a yeah. herbal character? Does that, does that mean it tastes like Jägermeister? It does not taste like Jägermeister. Or does it you know, mean that it tastes like juniper? Juniper. So so you're looking for juniper berries. You're looking at mints, cloves. Is you're mints, at mint. cloves, All, all of those are herbal, yeah. and they're nothing alike. Right. So I'm uh, I'm enjoying the blindfold. Which is a black IPA. Now, black beers or dark beers are characterized by roasted barley. IPAs are characterized by heavy hop presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, this claims to be a 70 IBU, International Bitterness. Oh, interesting. Um, so, so you got roasted barley and you got hops. Yes. So roasted barley, that's, that's a different taste than the, the hoppy taste. Yes, it is. So what do you get when you drink a roasted barley hoppy IPA? Well, the flavors hit your palate at different points. Because the roasted should be on the front of the tongue, shouldn't it? Yes. Um, The roasted component is going to be present in uh, the aroma, um, the, uh, the bouquet of the beer. It's going to be up front. It's going to it's going to be present when you first take uh, the beverage into your mouth, and you definitely have some bitterness uh, on the finish after you've swallowed the beverage. Um, got a strong uh, bitter aftertaste. This does sound a little more than vaguely sexual. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, you're capable of sexualizing Captain America and the Human Torch, so. (laughs) So we're like 95% of the human beings on this planet. Any guy in red, white, and blue tights. And then a guy on fire. Oh, my God. If a guy on fire is not sexual, nothing is. He's obviously a flamer. (laughs) You know, it's funny because they were both played by a, what's his face? Chris Evans. Yep. In the movies. Okay. Captain America and the Human Torch. Okay. From the two Fantastic Four movies that were almost good, but were not. Yeah, but that came close to being good. Have you seen the trailers for the new Fantastic Four movie? I have seen a really early trailer. And did you have any thoughts and opinions on it, other than not having your boy, the uh, the, the the Chris Evans in it? Uh, I can't say that his performance was inspirational or. I did think that he hit affected my. Uh, <clears throat> he hit uh, Johnny on on the nose. I think he had Johnny down. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, what's his uh, the guy from the Shield? I think he did a good bend. Yeah. You know, I just think uh I think it was the the subject of the story that where they dropped the ball. You know? There were so many stories that they could have done and I don't need an origin story for every superhero on the planet. I've read the comic 85 times. And you know, I don't think the average moviegoer 
really wants to see the origin story either. I mean, I understand fanboys know the background and they don't need to be told the background. And when but, you when you do try to tell the background, inevitably writers get in the way, and they want to they want to put their spin on it. Moviegoers don't need all of that either, right? They they don't need that. They don't want it. They don't need it. They are at a superhero movie because they're expecting to see superheroes. Not not fifteen minutes of Act One while I get my powers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, when I saw um, Saving Private Ryan. I did not once see any of the main characters go through boot camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a um, fairly uh, good analogy there. I, yeah, because I didn't need to see him go through boot camp to appreciate the story that they were telling with their actions. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you, wanna, if you want to somehow make the audience connect That's, with some of these characters. W- we need a director. Uh, and some writers that had the balls to drop you into the middle of the D-Day invasion with a superhero and not give a fuck about the boot camp story. We need, you know, we need to come out and Mr. Fantastic is uh, sliding through... Uh, air ducts and ripping open doors and, and Ben the, Grimm uh, and is, the audience is saying, "How the hell did this happen?" Yes, yes, you're you're like, "Wow, where'd this come from?" And you're on the edge of your seat from that point forward. Exactly. And you, you know, if you really, if you have writers that are so obsessed that they want to tell the origin story, release it as crap on the internet that you can leave for diehard fans to dig up and find. My name is John Doe, and I've discovered this crazy rock that came down last night in my backyard, and uh, I'm going to video blog it, and when I touch it, I don't know what's going to happen, but I've got to touch it. I've got to touch it. You know, and that that kind of thing is accessible on YouTube, and you have just released the movie of, you know. And the fanboys that care about that stuff, can go find it and they can watch it and the moviegoer that wants to see an entertaining movie can have an entertaining mm-hmm. movie you don't it, it's one of the things that amazes me about um, modern movies and writers is that you don't have more I, I thought they did a really good job with um, the monster movie uh, Cloverfield okay okay so, yeah. and, and to a certain extent, with stuff like the um, uh, the Witch Project, well, the Blair Witch Project, where you know they, part they, of the marketing of the movie was this this crazy campaign of, of oh my god, this was found footage, and have you seen YouTube, and have you looked at this? Oh, like the viral marketing of the Matrix. Viral marketing. What is the Matrix? Remember what? before the Matrix was ever released. It had an online presence. Why are more movies not doing this? Why are they not integrating the... It's not just about having a video game tie-in for your movie. It's not just about having a website. Which it's, most video game tie-ins suck at. <laughs> yeah. No, it's because Hollywood's still doing business as usual. But we have such incredible, incredible sources for 
Right, right, but but the existing differentiating media, between the, one fan and another fan. The existing media magazines, and I don't think we got those resources like you do. I've been doing marketing lately, um, you know, to get the podcast into the hands of of, of the tens that want to want to listen to them. And and I realize that the marketing doesn't exist the way they think it is. Right right now, all marketing done is like with a shotgun approach. Like if I'm going to get my movie trailer out there, I'm going to like put it out there as to as many points as possible as many tv stations as many locales as possible and hope somebody is like paying attention and watching it and it's ridiculous you're right things like facebook things like google adwords they allow us to pinpoint market and that's where where you know the money's going to be well spent because i can like advertise the bunny rabbit tragedies to people who are interested in puppets and vampires and uh and crazy humor different humor the office type humor hum- uh, awkward humor right whereas people who want to watch barney and the mighty morphin power rangers they're not going to be down with it because mighty morphin power rangers want to watch like cheesy things and barney wants to watch cute and sweet things but you've got to love the office and the muppets in order for me to deliver my ad to you you got to you got to love that awkward comedy and puppets because if you love the Muppets, that's great. But, you know, who doesn't? And if you love The Office, that's great. And that's like 10% of everybody. And, you know, awesome. But how many people love The Muppets and The Office? And so Twilight. Google gets you. <laughs> well, they, they, I got a little <laughs> slim market there, right? The, the Venn diagram for that is looking pretty small. <laughs> but why would I waste my money on somebody that doesn't love all three of those things? Because you have to love all three of those things. And Google gives you the power. I, I'm using Google in, a, in an esoteric, generic sense. Uh, searching the Internet for specific keywords, you have the power to, to pinpoint things that you're interested in. And I would also argue that um, there are movies like The Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa enjoyed The Avengers. But when she's searching online, she is not looking for the same things that I am looking for. Right. Well, so if you if you want to market Avengers to Lisa, mm-hmm. you do it on the knitting websites. And well, there's not many Avenger knitting times. <laughs> there, there's not. <laughs> uh, I, I'm the point that I'm trying to make is that trying to make is that there are different types of fans. Without you, she would not have seen Avengers. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Unless she was drunk and some friend wanted to see it. She would not have picked it out. (laughs) Well, that's the only reason why she's gone to see Fifty Shades of Grey. It's because a friend of ours was drunk and insisted. Yeah, okay. So. uh, uh, But you have different types of fans. You have casual fans. You have hardcore fans. And the... The power of the web gives you the ability to to target those different types of fans and to deliver interesting material to them. You know, maybe maybe the costumer wants to know about the designs for the clothing for uh, name one of your bunnies. Bunnies don't wear clothes. <laughs> What the fuck crack you're smoking? <laughs> I thought we went over this a bunch of time. 
<laughs> they are woodland creatures. They are non-anthropomorphized. Right, right. Uh, okay, so you're... So, yeah, the bunnies don't wear clothes. <laughs> Have you been paying attention to the last 21 episodes? Isn't that making a demand above and beyond what uh, what I've contracted for? <laughs> You're like, I'm here and I'm awake. What more do you want? Okay, so um, what does the... Uh, the French onion wear. He doesn't wear clothes. Either. He doesn't wear clothes. He's an onion. <laughs> God damn it. Do any of your characters wear clothes? Look, I have talking bunnies and, and cats and owls and onions, but it's not like they're crazy and they wear clothes and live in houses. Okay, so um, you have bunny fans. You have puppet fans. You have vampire fans. You have different fans. And... You draw these different fans in via different methods. To to the hardcore geek, you put out the backstory of how Mr. Fantastic and the Fantastic Four got their powers. Right. Nobody else cares. No, because they want to see an exciting story. They Not want some th- guy studying in his office while he builds a rocket ship to go like bombard his fiance with cosmic rays or go to the negative zone and like get bombarded with negative zone cosmic rays they want to see action they want to see a story they want to see see the avengers worked because we knew all their stories so what it basically comes down to is you have the dvd extras you can put the dvd extras out there before the movie comes out i think a prime example of of a movie that worked above and beyond expectations without being an origin story was Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. We kind of saw Star-Lord's origin in the fact that his mom died and he got taken up into space. But we didn't see those stupid formative years in the Rocky III-style montage where he he trains and he gets better and he becomes like this world-class outlaw. We didn't see... Rocket Raccoon suddenly develop intelligence or, or escape from his raccoon cage. We didn't see Groot grow from a seed to a sapling. These are all people that came together, and we got their backstory as they were going to go do the thing they had to do. But we could have put more of their backstory out there. It's true, but you didn't need it for the success you of the movie. You didn't need it for the movie. But I, I'm, I think there was a, there's an opportunity that's missed. When you're trying to build up the suspense, listen to Blair Witch. Put the seeds out there. Hide them. Hide them. Make them make tough the to find. Make the fanboys work for them. Make, make the fanboys work to uncover those nuggets and to discover them and to gloat to the webverse. Look what I found. Look, I, I discovered found the this. legend of the Blair Witch. I know those kids are in for a world of hurt. And make that part of your viral campaign. Do you know why Groot says Groot? No. I know it. Yeah. Because I found it. It I was looked, buried deep and I found it. I looked for it. And you can only find it if you join my subreddit, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> we should probably wrap up here. Yeah, we probably should. I think, uh, I, think I could totally recommend this uh, Sierra Nevada. So to wrap up a beer 30, um, the IPA pack for Sierra, Sierra Nevada. If you haven't picked it up yet, you should. Uh, good stuff. Um, I'm liking the multiple characteristics of the blackfold black or blindfold black blindfold, IPA. Yeah, the, tor- <laughs> the the torpedo extra IPA lives up to its name. It torpedoes your taste buds into a, a sea of bitterness. It's like it's like the black sea on my tongue. <laughs> Not salty though. No. Okay. Not like the sailors have all come home. <laughs> yeah. And then um, so if you haven't registered for your class to listen to uh, Stan Lee give his history of superheroes. Do so now. Uh, I will seek that out. And then hopefully you got tickets to WonderCon because if you didn't, it's too fucking late. Yep. And uh, if you're waiting for the Bunny Rabbit Tragedies episode, <laughs> looks like you're going to have to wait at least another week. <laughs> All right. So with that... uh this concludes episode 21 of the Desperate Mothers podcast. I am CJ Watson. And I'm Jack Fisher. Saying hop on. Hop on.